1: Your
2: money, and now here's Rob Black. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. Let's talk about the week that we've had. There was a headline that really kind of rang true, and I want to pass it on. It's been a good. Well, the headline was fewer jobless claims, cap strong week for economy. Strong week for economy ends with report of fewer people applying for unemployment benefits. It's December. You're not going to get too much crazy to move the markets, but this is a good setup for 2011. Further decline in the number of people applying for unemployment benefits capped a strong week for the economy. Factories are producing more. Shoppers are spending more. Business executives and consumers are more optimistic. And you had the big tax cut plan that Congress is ultimately set to pass. 2011 is going to be better than 2010. Not by a lot. But that's what we're starting with. Maybe by the end of next year or halfway through, we'll we'll change those numbers a little bit. But I got no problem saying 2011 looks to be a better year than 2010. Now, again, it ain't perfect for everyone. Uh, There's problems like with Yahoo. There's problems with extended unemployment in the United States. There's problems with high unemployment in the United States. But I think I've said enough here. Um, I don't need to beat this into a, a, you know, Chris. I don't need to pound it into nothingness. So let's talk a little bit about the NASDAQ. This is stuff I don't typically talk about on the radio show. I try to save it for this forum to give you something unique and something special. It reached a high of 2225 on December 13th. And what's interesting to note about that, and again, let me quantify this as best I can, because I want to be very specific here. This is the NASDAQ 100. It's only 14 points below its nine-year high of 2239, which was reached on October 31, 2007. A lot of people will say that NASDAQ is still 50% off its all-time high. But the NASDAQ 100 is just points off. In fact, let me take a quick look and tell you how many points it is as of today. So it's still not quite where it was from the previous trading session, so that's worthy of note. If the NASDAQ 100 were to reach its... Level, it would be the first of the major U.S. indices to regain all of its uh, decline since the Great Recession. So again, the number for the Nasdaq 100 will be twenty two thirty nine. Right now, we're at twenty two twenty five, roughly twenty two nineteen as of today. So now, some of the components of the Nasdaq 100 have changed a lot since two thousand and seven. It's worthy of note. Apple remains by far the largest. It's currently constituting 20.2% of the index. It's certainly helped in the rebound effort, up nearly 70%. The tech-heavy NASDAQ 100, it's outperformed other indices since the economy started rebounding in early 2009. Mid- and small-cap indices such as the Russell 2000 have also outperformed large-cap indices such as the S&P 500. They've shown the best performance in 2010 year-to-date. The Russell's up 23% versus 18% for the NASDAQ 100 and 11% for the S&P 500. Now, for corporate America, tough economic times typically lead to tough decisions. So we keep that in in perspective. You cut staff. You shut down factories. You exit certain markets. Inventory write-downs sometimes are necessary as well. Sometimes you can write it out. So such of these happenings tend to ultimately produce a number of extraordinary costs that are regarded as one time in nature. So... You always look at the quality of earnings. You always look at what happened. For instance, today, FedEx came out with pretty good revenue, but they missed on earnings. But they, they said 2011 looks better than expected, but they missed out on earnings, right? So you look at why they missed out on earnings, and the reason they missed out on earnings was ultimately because they reinstated wage inflation. They reinstated bonuses. So that's a good miss. So the recurring nature of charges taken by some companies leaves accounting up for debate. So not all companies have the same type of accounting. There's typically a wide gap between reported earnings and adjusted earnings when the economic going gets tough. So you got to know that when things are tough, you're going to get these charges that don't make a hell of a lot of sense. You're going to get these numbers that don't make a hell of a lot of sense. And they're going to see when things get good, it's a little bit easier to hide on the good side. So I think it's a good thing that reported earnings and operating earnings are looking like kindred spirits right now, and they're starting to operate together. Corporate profits are near record levels. I know. It's it's the craziest goddamn thing you've ever heard, right? It's crazy. So companies are flush with cash. Stock prices are up dramatically from their 2009 lows. Even so, aggregate demand is down, which helps explain the higher unemployment rate and low levels of capacity utilization. We're not going to start hiring until we utilize more. Fortunately, incoming economic data has implied the U.S. economy and the global economy, for that matter, is in better shape than expected, better shape than participants had feared. Both the Consumer and Corporate Conference on the rise. Add this up and you're seeing a lot of M&A activity. I think it'll be a big year for M&A activity in 2011. With businesses experiencing lower levels of aggregate demand than in the past, a growing number... Are going to entertain a strategy of acquiring market share in a bid to position for stronger growth down the road when aggregate demand rebounds as unemployment levels decrease. So, how they go about doing that's the great unknown in mergers and acquisitions. This is, I'd, make, I'd have to be lying to you to tell you if I knew definitively. Cash deals, small acquisitions, premium close 20% higher. You can't help but wonder if acquisition targets are going to be more demanding in terms of sales prices in 2011, knowing that a lot of larger companies are flush with cash and have a stronger currency in their stock price and are going to look decidedly opportunistic in trying to grow their top line with, you know, bolt-on acquisitions. Now, the Fed met yesterday, and they basically said nothing different. It's going to be a period of prolonged low rates. They – no major change since November. What's interesting is the 10 Treasury has spiked 100 basis points in that one month from November to December in the report from the Fed. Didn't really bring that up. So I find it interesting. The bond market, I think, is considered smart. And what I'm telling you about 2011 looking better, I think the bond market's seeing it. I'm not bullish. I'm not crazy. I'm not fearful. I'm not greedy. I believe the market's currently oversensitive right now to headline risk, and I'm not. I think the headline risk is out there. And a lot of people won't look down the road for a year when the headline risk is so much about today. Whether investors have short-term or long-term horizons, I would consider buying on weakness and selling into any rallies that, you know, the volatility seems to be too strong. So once the knife starts to fall... I think it's going to be difficult to catch. Once the economy starts to roll, I think it's going to be difficult to catch. So, by the same token, you know, professional investors think the economy is going to experience fits and starts during the recovery because no recovery is automatic. Think that there will be opportunities. You know, Bill Gross, at Pimco. He's famous. He appears to say that he recently disclosed he's recently invested four point four million of his own money into a five Pimco-run tax-exempt municipal bond funds. Now, that could be interpreted to to mean that he thinks that tax exempts have simply become too cheap or that an extension is likely going to be passed at some point limiting the supply of tax exempts, which would help to keep yields down. Now, I don't know. Let's talk about some of the other issues that seem to be hitting the market. There's a lot of room for auto production growth. One of the things that hit our recession hardest was the whole GM bankruptcy, the recession where people didn't buy cars. So there was this big you know, automotive news. The recession, people lose their jobs. They, they try to get more out of their car than they should. So right now, inventories are at their highest level in the auto industry since May 2009. And I don't think that should be a surprise to you. Motor vehicle demand has been relatively strong following the cash clunker stimulus last summer. Inventories always hit a relative bottom in August when sales remain strong and manufacturers shut down plants and and start to retool for the new year. So that brings the question right now is we got all these new cars sitting on the lots. When are they gonna go? When you adjust for the data for seasonal variation, inventory has actually declined in each of the last two months, and that's important to note. Fortunately, the fall in inventory is not really due to a conscious decision by manufacturers to lower seasonal inventory levels, instead Sales vastly exceeded expectations in October and November, causing a drain on inventories. If you were to look at some of the statistics, motor vehicle inventories in the units of millions, we've gone from about inventory levels in 2004 at a high of about 4 million to a low of about 2 million in inventories at the end of 2009, beginning of 2010. We've been building a little bit since then, but in the last couple of months, like I said, we're burning back down. The lower the level of inventory, is, the better. Now, hold on, what the f- does that mean? The lower levels of inventory, the better. What that means is we're eventually going to have to go back to work. People want their new car. People want uh, we'll have to upgrade at some point in time. You know, your truck has hundred thirty thousand. It's a big difference between 130 and 140, 140, 150, 150, 160. At some point in time, you're stuck on the highway. At some point in time, it's a big expensive repair. So keep that in mind, okay? And when that happens, with low inventories, well, the car companies either get record profits because they don't have to discount because the demand will be there. Or they send people back to work to make more cars so that they can continue to offer incentives and keep keep coming back into the 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 showcase, so to speak. Showcase? I don't think that's the right word that I'm looking for. The dealer's showroom. Showroom. So anyway, when you basically do that, you create a situation where people are going back to work, going to factories, punching the factory, getting some goods delivered. So the truckers are delivering goods to the car companies. They're delivering seats. The oil companies are making polyurethanes. and They're making oils and paints and stuff like that. So that's good, right? So people are back to work. Mortgages get paid. Wives get you know, tired because they don't see their husband. They say, let's go on a vacation, rekindle our love. Make love, sweet love on the beach. So these card numbers look pretty good to me. I'm not wild up and down. Ga, 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 ga. I'm not ga, 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 ga. Uh, Dow's up over 10% for the year. NASDAQ's up over 15% for the year. And I'm going to leave it at that. Apple price target raised to three hundred and ninety five basically slowly but surely that that that, that monster's marching forward right uh, company I want to mention remember how I told you interest rates have jumped short term interest rates in your treasuries from two and a half to three and a half annually mortgage um, there's a company that the lower the interest rate the lower the interest rate the lower the interest rate the better they did and now maybe mortgage rates are going to start going higher for a little while. So, I'd be cautious on a name like that. Verizon's equipment looks awesome for 4G. It's getting incredible reviews. I think they're going to get market share from uh, AT&T. I like the shares of, of Verizon for the dividend. If I get growth, I'm happy, but I'm not expecting it. So, hmm. Restaurant sector got some love today over at Goldman Sachs. Basically calling Starbucks a conviction buy. They called Chipotle and Tim Hortons a buy. They cover Wendy's, and they say that's a sell. Yum! Brands, McDonald's, and Panera, they're all neutral on. I don't know. uh, They call Chipotle a $260 stock. Starbucks a $40 stock. Can't really get too up and down about that one either. But again, that's me. Just not Mr. Excitement. That's all the time that I have for today. I'm so sorry. I wish I had more time for this. But uh, busy, busy these days. Uh, Take care. Have a good day. I gave you some really good content in this today that hopefully you learned something from in case I die tonight. Talk to you soon.